0: Full send.
1: And welcome to episode number three of the LockCast from Trinity Road Times. All things NC State Athletics covered here. I'm Trey Lauer along with my brother Alec Lauer and Isad Malik with us as always. We've got Caroline Darney coming up from BET FTW, the managing editor there. She's going to join us to talk about the uh, big game Friday night, the ACC opener for NC State as they go on the road to Charlottesville to take on the Virginia Cavaliers. We're going to briefly touch a little bit on the game Saturday. Uh, Obviously, State took care of business against VMI. Uh, No real issues there in terms of that game being in any doubt. But I wanted to ask the two of you kind of some things you saw from that game that State uh, did well and things that they are still uh, kind of not getting right.
2: They they scored a lot of points. That's what they did well. But, um, you know, I, I think Brendan Armstrong had the time to look a little bit more comfortable back there. The defensive front for VMI, I don't think was going to cause NC State's offensive line much issues, but uh, he he was at least able to get more live game reps with the receivers that he's still trying to gel with. And I think that 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 worked really well for him. Um, Overall, we would have liked to have seen some more explosive plays, but based on uh, what VMI was giving them, they were able to to take that. And uh, I think... On the negative side, the the defensive um, side of the ball, they were struggling with uh, the secondary. That seemed pretty clear all day. There was a lot of uh, injuries. Uh, Jakeen Harris was out, and Aiden White, he's out for the season. Aiden White was out for that game. So they had to play some inexperienced players, and that showed with a lot of uh, mental miscues that happened in the secondary, and that resulted in either some big plays given up or some potential big plays that almost weren't given up, but BMI wasn't able to cash in.
0: Alec? Yeah, I agree with, um, with everything Asad said there. I thought they, they definitely missed White a little bit. I, you know, uh, backup corners, I thought, struggled um, on a number of different plays. Uh, but the, my big takeaway was really on the offensive side of the ball was, you know, Brennan Armstrong, I think, I think for the most part has made good decisions this year. Um, but the, like we talked about, the accuracy has not always been there, um, and I thought it was definitely there uh, uh, on Saturday. Um, I think he only had two misses. I think if you count it, if you count depending on how you count a miss, but that's pretty darn good. Um, obviously, a ton of time to stand in the pocket, so that stuff gets a lot easier when you can do that. But you know, some of the throws that he we saw some of the high level throws that he's made this year in this game. And we didn't see, you know, the mistakes. We didn't see the, the underthrown deep ball. We didn't see the overthrown, you know, post route kind of thing that we saw a couple times at Notre Dame and, and things of that nature. So uh, it, it was a it was a get right game for him. And I think, um, you know, he's a quarterback that can certainly play at a higher level than he has played. And so I was really excited for him to get a game like this to just basically, uh, you know, rent an Airbnb in the pocket, um, you know, watch a movie real quick. <laughs> Uh, and then you know, throw the ball, check the ball down. Basically, I mean, VMI was was playing such soft defense. It was it was cover three shell the whole game. Uh, typically, with cover three, your corners are bailing out. What well, they just had three safeties. They were just they were just stay in front of us, and we're going to rally and tackle you. And uh, I think a defense like that can really put you in a position where you force the ball into coverage. And um, I thought Armstrong did a great job not doing that. I thought he checked the ball down when he needed to. He took the underneath routes when he needed to. Uh, And the result was, I think he was 27 for 32 and he still had two drops. So uh, a really good game from him and a good game from uh, Julian Gray had a great game too. I've been waiting for him to break out. I think Mm -hmm. think he was special teamer of the week, I believe, in the ACC. So, um,
1: yeah, one thing that stood out to me, you mentioned Julian Gray, we're starting to see the receivers that are separating themselves. Mm -hmm. We're starting to see that a little Bradley Rosner is, I think, is going to become a very key member uh, more than he already is. mentioned Julian Gray, Casey Concepcion. We're starting to see a little bit of who exactly is going to be the the top players in that receiving core. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, and this was my biggest complaint from the game, is they're still underutilizing guys. And I get it. It was VMI. You know, you're not trying to get your guys injured ahead of conference play starting here. But I don't think Michael Allen touched the ball much at all after the first drive. And I, I wonder if that maybe that was just a, a by design thing or what, but I, I, maybe we'll see that more now as as they go into conference play.
0: Well, they definitely cycled through the running. Back. I think they had five different running backs that had six carries or more. Uh, so there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of just you know, don't hurt people, and um, you know, give yeah. give people some reps. Um, you know, one thing we should touch on: we got a couple questions this week actually, and both of them were about MJ Morris. Uh, so, um, yeah, you know, my thing with this is, you know, MJ had a, had a great two games last year. You know, I think he's a very talented quarterback and I think he's an awesome person and I think he will get his shot. It mm. just, I don't think it makes any sense to put him in that game. Right. Um, I agree 100%. So if you look yeah. at what happened last year, right, he played in five games, right? One of them was a garbage time effort against Charleston Southern. I think he played one drive. He comes in as an eventual backup. After uh, Devin Leary gets hurt and uh, Jack Chambers just clearly doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. And he ends up playing in five games. So you put him in this game and then Brandon Armstrong gets hurt. And you're 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 putting yourself in a position, it's unlikely, but you're putting yourself in a position where that can happen again, right? Yeah. And suddenly you've burned His that retro. Yeah. He's your starting quarterback next year. So, you know, it is garbage time. The reps don't matter. All he was gonna do was hand the ball off anyway. Uh, I think it's it was a, a Pretty good decision not to put him in in that
3: game.
1: Yeah, I think for me, uh, I, I had seen some people who even reached out to me concerned that we're going to lose MJ Morris in NIL or in the transfer portal, and, and I want to to calm everybody down and say that if, if that was the case, he
0: would have left already. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, because last season showed, was the time to leave.
1: Yeah, he showed exactly what he could do last year. He would have left already, and I think having Brennan Armstrong there is is huge for him—a big learning opportunity. I, I guess to use an example, kind of look at Jordan Love with the Green Bay Packers. He's already kind of where people were expecting him to be um, already because he got to learn from Aaron Rodgers. And I think MJ Morris is in a similar situation where you learn from Devin Leary, you learn from Brennan Armstrong, and I think we're going to be in good hands with him going forward. And I don't think uh, there's any reason for concern that that he stepped out of this program or um, isn't a part of this program going forward in the future. So I just wanted to call that, that question right away. Um, I, I agree with you on the sentiment of not playing him in this game because, you know, don't burn the red shirt use him if you absolutely have to, but state also didn't even really throw the ball out much in the second half because, you know, it kind of became the Kendrick Raphael show. So it gave us an opportunity to see some, some new running back, some new faces. And, and by the way, he's going to be a playmaker for this team.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to see that, that he showed a lot of flashes, and he kind of uh, – is he a true freshman? Because I, I don't think that – I believe um, so, yes. Yeah, because yeah, I, I don't recall him being there last year. So um, still, you know, there's there's youth uh, in the backfield. You know, I, I would say at this point, um, Jordan Houston, you know, I think Michael Allen has, has shown enough, and Raphael is now starting to show enough. And Mims is showing enough that that they are uh, likely to be more effective than than Jordan Houston. He he's had his opportunities, and I and I applaud him for all the patience that he's had with with the program. Um, he he just hasn't been able to to break through. Uh, he seems like he's he's good for a solid three to four yards, but doesn't have that extra gear to kind of break into the secondary like. Uh, Raphael was able to do and you know maybe it's just that, that's a, a one game thing and we'll see how it goes moving forward but you know it, it's at least promising that there is a talented youth in the backfield. How about yeah, Dillon Mims and the way he's become used in this offense? He's just yardage, he's gonna man. be the, the new Reggie Gillespie right just the <laughs> you know short yardage you know he'll, he'll you could average you could have 10 touchdowns and have you know 10 total yards.
1: I think we made this joke last week also, but
2: is he going to have 200 yards rushing against Carolina then? (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it. But, yeah, we were talking about, um, you know, Concepcion and how he has really um, separated himself from the field. You know, he is more than double the number two receiver on the team. So he's already got 16 catches on this season. And Julian Gray – has six, and Porter Rooks has eight. So he's, uh, Rooks is in second with the number of catches, um, which, you know, shows that when Armstrong is back there, he's looking at where Casey is first. That's, that's clearly what he's doing. You know, it's, it's, um, somebody that, that he's looking to as, as a first option, which, uh, was surprising to see from a freshman, but I've, I've really enjoyed everything that I've seen from Concepcion.
0: Yeah. It's welcome in, in my opinion because that was, to me, the worst. Personnel grouping on the team last year was mm-hmm. even with Thayer Thomas, who was an excellent player. Yeah, um, yeah, you needed you needed to inject some some speed and some quickness into that into that unit, and uh, Concepcion brought that, and then some because he is quite a polished player for being how young for how young mm-hmm. he is.
1: And, and I think a lot of that is a testament to the, the high school program that he came from, Chambers High School. They're, they're a perennial power in the Charlotte area. They've either been to or won the state title in several of the last few years. Uh, so it's definitely a, a good program he's come into NC State from. And I think that helps, you know, to come in from a really accomplished high school program. It does actually kind of help these guys in a way.
2: Got to get winners. So, yeah. yeah, exactly. I just want Julian Gray to get more targets. That's all I want.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're going to switch gears here, and Caroline Darney is going to join us from VetFTW to talk about the Virginia Cavaliers and Friday night's game. coming up next here on The LockHast. And we're happy to be joined now by the managing editor of BET FTW, who's going to talk a little bit about the Virginia Cavaliers and Friday night's game. Caroline Darney is with us. Caroline, thanks so much for being here.
3: Of course, I'm so excited. I always uh, like to join my NC State folks because uh, I'm sure I'm sure some people listening maybe have heard me tell this story on multiple podcasts somewhere else before. But both my parents went to state, so I grew up watching the Wolfpack and rooting for NC State. So I always like to, uh, to talk to you guys. I like you guys. <laughs>
1: Well, it's going to be a fun one Friday night uh, for a lot of reasons. Obviously, first conference game for, I believe, both teams. Yeah. Um, and then Brennan Armstrong's homecoming is obviously going to be something that's going to be a big storyline, I'm sure, in Charlottesville yep. this week. Uh, what's What's the mood been like around the program so far uh, with the first couple games? I had a chance to watch a little bit of the Maryland game last weekend. Yeah. I apologize that the announcers weren't there and made the broadcast very difficult. <sighs> But, uh, it was awful. Uh, yeah, just, just, just. What What can you tell us about this year's UVA team?
3: Man, it is tough stuff. Um, obviously, there's bigger stuff than football that's happened in Charlottesville in the last like ten months or so. And of so, course. you know, when they opened on the road at Tennessee, was the first time that they took the field since losing three teammates um, back in November of 2022. Um, and obviously that stuff hangs super heavy. Didn't play the last two games of the last season. Um, and it, it just kind of, this isn't, you know, it isn't, it's, I always want to say like, oh, this is what it is. Like not trying to minimize any of it or make it like the sole reason for anything, but it's, it's, um, been a tough part, you know, like Mike Collins, who, uh, actually had two touchdowns in the first game, uh, sorry, the first home game against JMU. I think that's right. Um, everything blends together already. There's only been three games, but you know he's a student athlete who literally was shot in the back in that situation and not only recovered miraculously, uh, he's back on the field and playing and contributing. So the reminders exist everywhere. I, I feel, I absolutely adore Brennan Armstrong. Um, oh, there's the dog. Sorry guys. Um, he does too. He loves Brennan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, like it's one of those things, like I hope, um, and I'm trying to remember before I got on with you, I was trying to remember what the like Casey Morcell reception was, mm-hmm. you know, like, cause there's always like when it, when, when players transfer in conference, it's always a weird thing. And there's always different situations. And, um, I'm always team, like there's some, some transfers that hurt worse than others. Um, Brennan Armstrong gave his heart and soul, literally blood, sweat, tears, uh, to this program. And, and this was his grad transfer. And I think that we saw last year, there were some struggles, um, and it's difficult to fit into a new program. You know, you saw Bronco Mendenhall, uh, step down at the end of, I guess that was 2021. um, Abruptly and step step down, abruptly stepped down. Like that was a shock. I remember sitting there like, Oh, thank God Virginia doesn't have to be involved in this wild off season of, there were so many coach openings. I don't know if you remember that year, but it was just Mm -hmm. one of those. I was like, thank God. Like, yeah, the season didn't end great. Like that was the pass to the lineman against Virginia tech. But, um, but we've got something to build on. Virginia went to the 2019 orange bowl. There were recent success things to build off of Brennan returning, wide receivers returning, the offensive line returning. And then all of a sudden, none of that is the case. And so you lose the consistency there. You bring in Tony Elliott, uh, a lot of players transfer, which again, I think if it's coach leaves, you should be able to do that because you didn't sign up to play for that person. I just think that there's some things around, you know, I I will listen to and agree with some of the arguments around what NIL and what transfers are doing to college athletics. But I think there are situations in which you're like, yeah, it makes sense that they should be able to transfer. Um, So, you know, they lost, I think four offensive linemen heading into Tony Elliott's first year and then again, heading into this season, they lost they had turnover of four offensive linemen, um, turnover at quarterback, uh, a lot of defensive turnover. You know, Nick Jackson went to play for Iowa. And these are situations where like, good for Nick Jackson. Nick Jackson is gonna play on Sundays, he's gonna get more attention and more success at Iowa this season. I do not, you know. And so for Brennan to return and link back up with Robert and I makes sense to me. It's his last year. The system didn't, I don't think necessarily do a lot of favors. Um, and again, that's just what it is. Like Tony Elliott's going to run his system. He's got wants to run his system. Things are what they are. So I hope this is all kind of say like the season has been a rough start. Um, but so they're and three Tennessee JMU, Maryland, two of those on the road. (laughs) I think they're the only team that's played um, one of the ranking systems that had all three of those teams in the top 30. And it's like Virginia was the only team to play three teams in the top 30 of this ranking. So it's (sighs) kind of like confluence of not ideal situations. So a lot of, like I said, the inexperience, the turnovers, um, turnover – both on the on the field and then also personnel wise um and tony musket who was came into the season as the starter got hurt against tennessee which had its ups and downs because we got to see tony calandria who was a first year who was i think he's great and it's so now you have this issue where it's like who do you play who's healthy what do you do so that was a very long-winded answer uh (laughs) to tell you that really because of all of these things and like there's a faction of the fan base that doesn't think Tony Elliott's the guy, and I'm like, well, you know, he's not going to get fired in 12 games, folks. So I don't know what to t- show up yeah. and root for them and hope that things yeah. improve. I don't know what to tell you. Right. Uh, yeah. So there's there's some weird vibes around right now, and I think it's it's an interesting. It's gonna be interesting Friday night. Hopefully a lot of people come out.
1: But Yeah, okay. I had one thing I wanted to ask real fast. Uh you know yeah. Brennan Armstrong's been here for three games. We've seen him and there's been some people already that are thinking, you know, is, is was this the right move for him? Help this N C State fan base feel better about Brennan Armstrong and Robert and I.
3: <laughs> well, is it? I always love. No matter what, it's always the OC's fault, right? Like, and, well, here's the thing. I would ask you guys, and I don't know if you could even do this. Yeah. We did a little switcheroo, kinda not one for one, but we have Des kitchen so like, right. you know, our fan I'm base would sorry. be like, tell us that it's not going to be bad, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, so I think, and again, I absolutely adore brennan armstrong both as a person and a player you get a you get you can sometimes get a mixed bag because there's sometimes where fans will say like every game you're going to get one kind of like what the hell was that moment mm-hmm. um and you Just know sometimes <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> um and i'm sure that there's a bunch of fans for virginia that are saying like i hope because the last time that they saw brennan play in scott stadium they virginia opened the game with two pick sixes to Pit. And that was it. That was essentially the game in the first two two drives. Like, it wow. was done. We were like, oh, okay, this is. <laughs> and that was the last game that they played that season. And um, so the thing is, like, Brennan will sling it. Brennan is a playmaker. Like, he will, he will make things happen that you didn't think could possibly happen. He will never give up on a situation. And sometimes – and I think that's a good thing, but sometimes there are those moments where – you know, a player will try to do too much and like maybe go for that extra last yard. And then all of a sudden that's when three guys tackle him and it's a fumble. Um, but I think he understands much like every quarterback, every good quarterback Brennan thrives with an experienced offensive line and wide receivers that can sometimes make a play that goes above and beyond. And I think, you know, there were a few times that I think Brennan got—I won't say bailed out because he puts the ball in a spot where he, where he knows his receiver can get it. But but Dontavian Wicks was has hands like he could go and he was athletic and long and could make plays. So I think there were maybe some times where a good play by the receiver made everything kind of okay. Um, but this is he could pick apart a secondary if you if you give him time and you give him space. So that's where when I look at. Brennan coming back to Charlottesville, if he gets time. And I will say one of the, one of the matchups I'm interested in primarily in this game, the matchups and the lines both ways. So what can Virginia do to hold off the defensive front of state and what can state do like vice versa? Like, are you going to force Brennan out of the pocket if he's forced out of the pocket? Is there a spot? Like, are they going to spy him? Like what are they going to do to try and contain him when he starts running? Um, And so I think I don't, I mean, I don't know who your backup is, but I think that Brennan Armstrong is still one of the probably 25 best quarterbacks in the country. And I think it'd be silly to, call for him to be benched at this point like i don't i, don't I, I should
1: not have gone that far saying that's what people were saying <laughs> but I, I think some, some people, people, some people are saying some. it
2: some people <laughs> like are i
3: am it. in a unique situation where I, I i do follow a lot of state people and i've seen a few like let's cool it with the brennan takes and i'm like already guys come on
0: yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion i think i think he's since day one i think he's been treated a little bit unfairly because yeah uh, obviously mj morris had the the whole thing last year where he was came off the bench as a true freshman and was on fire for two games um, and just being the new guy in that situation feels like yeah uh, you know, you're a little bit of like an outsider and it feels like people haven't been super fair to him but what I, what I want to ask you about him is so when, when we've watched him so far this year the, the talent is so obviously there yeah some of the throws are uh, but but he has been inconsistent for sure yeah uh, so you know obviously so much success in 2021 what uh, you know do you what do you attribute that to uh, is it a combination of things? Because obviously he's with Robert and I, but this is not a team that has the receivers that that Virginia team has. Right. Do you expect to see a more consistent Brennan Armstrong, or, or is that kind of how he was? Is, is You said it was a mixed bag, you know?
3: Yeah. So even taking out last season, which I know seems like, how can you take up the season where he did the worst type thing? Like that's, I'm not trying to cherry pick, whatever, but because it was a different system. I think the biggest thing in 2021, that would be, yeah, Um, where he had so much success was and was more consistent. I thought that the mistakes or inconsistencies were kind of way, way, way more spread out by the time, like the end of the season type thing rolled around Um, was because if he gets time and can like work through progressions or there were so many times his first season and even last season that the pocket was collapsing so fast that even later in the season when maybe the pocket wasn't collapsing as fast, he was already in the zone of like, this pocket is collapsing. I need to escape. I need to get out of here and make a play. And like, wouldn't maybe let the play develop as he, he might've had some time to, I'm not going to sit here and judge. Like, I can't believe you left the pocket. You had two more seconds as I sit in the (laughs) stands and like eat popcorn and like drink a white claw. Like, it's not really fair. Just be like, Oh, how could you, you idiot? Like whatever. But there are moments where I think, you know, potentially bailed out of a situation solely because previous ch- times over the course of the season he didn't have the time to execute and when he was at his best again this is like every quarterback like every quarterback who has all day is going to look like a better quarterback right um and so i think that's the biggest key i don't know how would you how would you rate your offensive line this year like i mean this is also for me like cleaning information from struggling so a coaching you know pretty well
1: in garrett 2j but
2: yeah I, yeah. I think that's definitely an area that is uh, high on my list of concerns. So um, I know that that was a big contributor to, the, to him being Virginia's leading rusher two years ago yeah. uh, because he just had to do that. And it's yeah. interesting that you say that um, where, you know, he might have it in his memory two plays ago, the pocket collapse, and it seems like it's similar. So then he just takes off. And that's yeah. exactly what I've seen, um, you know, in in reviewing the the tape from the last couple of games. That he he just could hang there. The pocket wasn't collapsing. Or all, all he had to do was just make take a few steps to the yeah. side. Yeah. But then he just he it's all. I don't know. What I, I don't want to say that he's panicking, but it's just he feels the pressure, and then. Uh, He knows that he has it in his back pocket, the ability to run. So he, so a lot of a little bit uh,
3: like an escape cord,
2: (laughs) right? And a uh, a lot of running, a lot of running quarterbacks use that a a bit as a crutch of they, they know that they can do that. So then, then they'll take off and he's productive with it. So, but it's almost like if if he could have a little bit more patience, that's one of the things that I was interested to talk about with you because, you know, you you mentioned the gunslinger style, but that's the complete opposite of Dave Doran. So (laughs) Dave Doran's whole mantra (laughs) is like... What what is it Alec you you said the Dave Dorn uh, blowout is like a 24 to 14 game or something
0: like that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's running yeah. away with it. Yeah. So we yeah.
0: played a Virginia in 2018 and the score was 35-21. We called that a Dave Dorn blowout. Yeah.
3: yeah. So whoa, yeah. Oh Dave, don't run up the score. It's yeah, rude. It's a, <laughs>
2: yeah. D- Dave is allergic to a, any number that starts with a 3 or greater in the score. Which is, is why like...
3: like bringing in a eye <laughs> Always cracks me up because an eye is like, "Let's go." Like yeah. everything is. And I also think with regards to what was successful in 2020, his health is also going to be extraordinarily important and affects mm-hmm. obviously, a lot of that stuff. And so he dealt with some, like, I believe it was ankle, but, like, they was, or whatever, like, lower extremity um, injuries and things like that. So in 2021, it felt like he was healthier, and they were able to even implement more designed runs, which was so, everything felt so much smoother with all of that stuff when it was, like, just him allowed to... Like, he was fully – it felt like vibing in the pocket. The thing that – with the, and people will listen to this and maybe go, like, 2021, didn't you guys finish, like, whatever, whatever? Um, the defense was awful in 2021. Hmm. And that's where – you know, going back to your first question, like, there's been a lot of retconning of like the, of what it was like at the end of 2021, where everyone's mm-hmm. like, some people are even like, I can't believe they fired Bronco, and I was like, hold on now, hold on, time <laughs> yeah. out, let's not. Correct me you know. if
1: I'm wrong. Weren't you guys when you went to Pitt in 2021 still alive for the Coastal
3: title? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah and that game I was thought. wild. Yeah, um, yeah, they definitely were. It was a. I love. I miss the Coastal. I know you guys yeah. don't, but <laughs> I love the, it. The, the Coastal suck. Like, yeah. <laughs> to the coastal, the coastal vibes. I miss it so much. Um, and that was, the defense was just, you know, so they struggled a lot. I never liked to be like, oh, they're so bad. Like again, unpaid college athletes. I'm not here to be like, you suck. Like whatever. <laughs> so the, but they, yeah, you know, they struggled, especially against the passing game. Um, and so that's where, despite having this offense that was literally like record setting and prolific, they weren't getting, they were still giving up too many, too many points. So hmm. go figure. But yeah, that's yeah. the
2: thing that's been, So you know, we're still kind of waiting to see that Brandon Armstrong show up. And yeah. I'm not sure if he's, if he fully is, because it does seem like there might be a, a, a difference in style and, and maybe meshing with Dave Doran might be relatively good for him if mm-hmm. if he needed somebody to kind of rein him in a little bit from, yeah. you know, he, his whole thing is make the smart decision, make the smart play. You know, if it takes, if you can guarantee five yards, it's better than trying for 30, like that, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, but I think that, I think he's himself, it seems like he himself is wrestling with that because at the end of last season, he admitted that the offense needs to evolve. And yeah. it ha- like the whole game in college is moving past his style of play so uh so i i don't know it i'm waiting to see whether or not he will fully just get into an eye style and just kind of just to sling it and and dr
3: I, bob's intense man i think he wears <laughs> some people down he's so nice but he's also so scary um just he's just scary is too strong of a word he's just an intense guy and he's very um he's very particular with his words and when he chooses, and he's just you're like oh okay cool but he's <laughs> so nice um the other thing I, I will mention is like it takes time to bond with your wide receivers too you yeah. know like yeah. going from a place where he had been here for what felt like seven years and knew all of his receivers and worked out with them over the summer and did all these things to a brand new set of guys is, is difficult mm-hmm. so yeah, stay fan stick with him be nice to our guy he's a sweetheart. <laughs> I love Brennan. He's just the nicest dude.
1: I will point out one thing that you mentioned earlier that yeah, you said that really stood out to me. And that was that he led the team in rushing. Guess who's <laughs> NC state's leading rusher through the first. I saw that. <laughs> I, looked, I looked at your stats and I
3: was like, Oh, look, our guys at the top.
1: Um, well, so here's this. I'm
3: also very curious. How would you rate? Cause if you're also saying the same type of things about your offensive line, I would assume you have some of the same, um, you know, hesitancies about the rushing game. Um, because that's kind of where Virginia is right now. And and I'm actually, I don't know which Tony's going to start. If it's going to be Tony Musket, or if it's going to be Anthony Calandria. You have a lot um, of Tonys over there. A lot of Tonys, <laughs> man. And it gets yeah. very confusing. Um, but it's I, in the brief moments. Well, the one thing you never want to have happen is the defensive front for Tennessee is by far the best one that Virginia is going to see all season. (laughs) So there weren't a lot of times even for Tony Muscat to take a single breath before he was, like, eating grass. And Mm so the moments where he did have a hot second to breathe in the pocket, like, he made some nice plays. He made some heads-up plays. And I really, really like the combo of Malik Washington and Malachi Fields, the wide receivers for Virginia. And that was a a position group where I was like – I don't know what we're going to see. It's going to be, you know, you 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 turn over some really, really talented guys that you've grown to know and understand all these things. And then, and they've made some great plays. Um, and so, you know, Calandria, that kid has, and I was like, he is moxie, man. Just, and I think the problem late and what kills me about the Maryland game is one, losing to Maryland. because I think we all understand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's it. <laughs> but to go from... 12 yards out from tying it in the fourth to losing by 28 is unreal. Like, yeah. and that just, I think the, the I think he had three picks in the fourth and all three of them were just short. They were a little. And so I wonder, you know, he's just a sweet baby. He's new. He's young. And so I wonder about like stamina at that point. Like, when he had thrown it so many times, the run, they want to establish the running game, but like, I don't know again with the offensive line, if they're there yet to really make it as consistent as a a threat as it needs to be. Um, Although I do like Kobe Pace, he's a Clemson transfer. Mm -hmm. He's delightful. He's, he had some nice runs. Um, So that's the question when I look at like, what will they face with state? I don't think there's any, I'm 95% confident saying there's no bad blood between like Brennan and his teammates or anything like that uh but there are guys like that would love to pick him off of course like you know (laughs) and and not in a way where it's like oh let me rub it in your face but it's just like you know i think cohen king said that in something earlier this week he's like yeah i'm hoping to pick him off like that's what we want to do like that's the game like you know but so that's going to be the key is like can can virginia force brennan into being uncomfortable like can they get to him can they pressure him can they you know sack the quarterback which we haven't done a lot of this season so yeah
0: it's um we haven't ran the ball well in it feels like eight years. Um, <laughs> so, Wasn't game,
1: Hines our last was, a thousand
2: yard
0: rusher?
1: Reggie yes. Glassby. Reggie But Was he? he Reggie like Glassby
0: was. In the last oh. two, two games of the season.
2: Gillespie got like it was like maybe like nine. It was close. It was in the nines.
0: I think Hines was the last one to get a thousand no where did last we had a thousand yards but oh. he had like 400 like nine games into the season then they played ECU and <laughs> UNC he um, ran no, for like
1: but... a billion yards on UNC that day so yeah he
0: did yeah yeah that defense yeah. was awful four
3: awful.
0: yards a carry 300 carries um <laughs> about what it was I did want to ask about Kitchens because yeah. he was a popular guy in Raleigh until he took over as, as co-offensive coordinator and it was a, a boy, bad experiment, but the personnel had major problems there too. So what, what are, what's what's your opinion of that been for, through two years?
3: Yeah, so it's hard. Like I said, it's one of those positions that whenever Virginia, even this happened under an eye too. There were a number of times, even in like 2020, 2021, where people were like, fire an eye. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't understand. Um, Where the offensive coordinator they fans i think think they only draw up the bad plays but the good ones (laughs) had nothing to do with them you know that kind of thing and so there are things where i have seen changes made there have been halftime adjustments which i'm like awesome love to see that yeah um and some of it is like why are we in shotgun on third and two when the off you know like and it was trying to do too many cutesy things behind the line. Like, guys, we don't have – like, the Tennessee guys are going to be here in, in half a second. Like, you don't have mm-hmm. time to try and do a double reverse or, like, things like that. And so um, it's tough. I'm always – the stuff where I get the most critical is, like, if – you're in the third quarter and it's a one-score game, and the the short checkdown passes, the six, seven, eight-yard passes have been there consistently, and your quarterback's hitting them. Why are we Why are we handing the ball off on on second down when it's like second and four, and now it's second and seven? Like that's where I'm like,
2: oh my god,
3: what is <laughs> that? Um, or any route any route run short of the sticks on third down, what are we doing? Yeah. I, like that to me, will that is the thing that will drive me absolutely nuts. So it's, I think the thing that is driving a lot of fans nuts right now is that it does appear that there are some talented pieces on this team. Like I said, the wide receivers, I think that they are, I went into the season wondering if Virginia had a solid quarterback and I think that they have, actually have two and that's, I know the old saying, if you have two, you don't have any, but yeah to think that you had zero and you actually have a good good backup situation in case someone gets hurt or whatever that's nice to know um but i just don't know that it's that it's been consistently uh utilizing the pieces to the like max benefit and that was a big complaint last year is kind of like and i i can see i never like to be like both sides whoops both sides But I can see both sides of the argument last year. If you're a new coach and you want to instill your system and your way of doing things, but if you have a guy like Brennan, why are you, who's, you know, a square, you know, why are you trying to force him into this one way of doing things that makes him not as effective? Like that's, that's where I think a lot of the frustration came in last year. And you're like, you're trying to, Set up this running game, and you don't have any running backs. Like, why are we doing this? And so, I think that's probably been the biggest Kitchens complaint. There's been a lot of Kitchens complaints, um, and again, I think it's just the easy scapegoat because they opened the game against Maryland with gorgeous. The two first drives were outstanding. They were aggressive. They were quick. Like all these things, and so. <sighs> It's that was a, the biggest non answer for you. I don't know, like it's just there's so many well, really, yeah. ups and downs with just evaluating an offensive coordinator position. Because again, even in 2021, people were complaining about Robert and I when Virginia was averaging 35 points a game or whatever it was. And you're kind of like, I don't, I do not understand what's happening right now. So people
2: will always find something to complain about, I guess. Always, I mean, I'm not sure how you can complain always. when the list of people that have averaged 400 yards in a game is literally one person long.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, what are we, what? Um, And some of it too, this is what always happens again. No one was expecting Bronco to leave. No one was expecting a coaching hire. Everyone then wants to have their person that they think is the best fit. And if that person isn't secured by the athletic department, then so-and-so failed at this and that, and it's going to, you know, here goes another three years of this. And, um, there's all the back and forth around that stuff that's exhausting and it's just it it's i didn't want to have to go through that <laughs> it's just so much you were like why why we had it yeah. all set up so yeah. nicely and, that, and
2: that's the, the thing that frustrates me you know i want dave Dorn to succeed i just want him to succeed sooner rather than later that's my whole thing because yeah. i i i hate coaching changes because then it's just like you're just kicking the ball down the road of just like how much longer we have to have to wait so well
3: and we and the thing that is frustrating a lot of folks too is i and this is i'm very biased because i was good friends with his wife but jason Beck, the former quarterbacks coach who coached brennan like he's great he's like the nicest person alive and he goes up to syracuse and look at syracuse And Mm -hmm. so it's easy for fans to go like, why did they keep them? And I mean, and that's the thing, like when you're doing, putting a staff together, I've never had to build a football staff, guys. I don't know what, you know, (laughs) like when you're going to look for your people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And, and obviously that's where Anai was with Jason Beck before Anai came down to to state. And so, you know, they stuck together, they go somewhere else. Schrader has played outstanding. They are scoring a billion points now (laughs) that Jason (laughs) is the offensive coordinator up there. Um, and so it's kind of like you can look around at coaches that you wish you had gotten or I think for a lot of people having Mike Elko uh, do what he's doing in Durham right now is a big yeah. like, look what happened to Duke. They he walked into nothing and they've got four fans and they're winning XYZ <laughs> games and, you know, all that stuff. And then I think the only thing that's... Well, the, the state of the Commonwealth of Virginia is not doing the ACC any favors right now. We'll just say that. <laughs> as,
0: as I, <laughs> I love your point about about Elko, though, because this is something that you get with with state fans all the time, right? Because Dave Dorn's gone eight and four like sixteen times, and everybody yeah. wants you know to get the to get to wherever the ACC championship is every year. Um, yeah. um the the chance of Finding your Mike Elko, if you fire a good coach, is a lot lower than the chance of Dave Doran getting to an ACC championship. <laughs> and uh, I just, I, I think I've made that point. I just want to say that for all the listeners. <laughs> well,
3: uh, and it's, it's also the you know for the for the UVA fans that are already like it's clear that Tony's not the guy or something like that. One, I think that's ridiculous to say like twelve games in. That's yeah, especially. Yeah given the unique situ- circumstances with the turnover initially cuz they're like he didn't walk into nothing and i was like well a ton of people transfer anyway we already mm-hmm. went over that but also you if you if you're firing a coach that's winning 8 9 games consistently and this is for what, for like your purposes obviously not virginia's right now but like I can understand state fans frustration with Doran, especially you talked about the conservative nature of the style. And if you feel like the game is going a different direction where you're going, but you're right. Like firing someone that consistently wins you eight, eight games, nine games, Mm -hmm. like, and now, especially with the change in like, you're not in the Atlantic. Like, I feel like it's much closer for a good state season to get you in that Mm -hmm. top two. than you're playing whatever, whatever, whatever. But you know, I look at it like if you fire a coach after, two seasons what self-respecting coach is going to come over and put himself in that situation like exactly that you don't think you're going to get a fair shake or a fair shot coaching somewhere because everything's so finicky and fickle that you know and that's just kind of everyone now that now that you can say like you know everyone has an opinion online and everyone can say it (laughs) well that's an interesting (laughs) point because
1: because you mentioned that i mean Dave Doran is currently flirting with the all-time wins record at NC State. He could get it this (laughs) year. He's he's going to pass it. Yeah, Yeah. he's going to pass it this year unless we completely fall apart. And I think that's something that NC State fans need to take into consideration. We weren't a consistent 8-9 and win football team before he got here, and now NC State is. And I know that's what Virginia fans are hoping for, and I'm with you. I
2: hope they give Tony
1: Elliott Eight or time.
3: Nine, that's the dream. Six yeah. or seven, let me in. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I hope they give Tony
1: Elliott enough time. I just want
2: to. I make mean, yeah. you, I guess, you look yeah. at Nebraska. What you know? They was it? Uh, Bo they already Bruni? want that rule gone. The- <laughs> it's
3: like two games. Well, to be fair, all the Carolina, like, sorry, not Carolina, like Carolina, Panthers, but like yep, but Carolina one of those, Panthers you're... fans are like, we've been saying. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. But me. I also laugh. I mean, to make you guys maybe feel a little better, maybe I won't. There, there are a small group and not super loud, but there's there are people that think Tony Bennett should be fired, and so I'm like, I can't, I can't with y'all. Like, I can't.
1: <laughs> right now, it's like what? I know. <laughs>
3: can they? Like, Don't be can silly. They please <laughs> And I'm yeah, like no, you oh, guys like, can I,
0: do that. I'll... We'll take him. We'll take him. Yeah. Every... yeah that's well, the, thing. the
3: thing. <laughs> well, I was going to say everyone messed around this year and let Tony get some four stars. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be I mean that,
2: everyone complains about Tony Bennett's style, but if that was their style, they'd be rooting for him. So, you know, I... Yep. We we can bring you back on during college basketball season. We'll we'll clear out. You could spend a whole hour discussing (laughs) about Tony Bennett.
3: I will will be happy to. I'm telling you, yeah. This I'm actually very intrigued about this season's team because there's not a lot of expectations because there was a bit of turnover. Um, But you got Reese Beekman's like in charge of the team now, and then Mm -hmm. Dunn and Bond are two of the most athletic that most athletic they've had since like Trey Murphy and DeAndre Hunter, like the length and the and I think that they're going to be. Anyway, this this way too way too soon we got like another yeah. six weeks at least <laughs> so you,
2: so you, you brought up recruiting but um the other Tony so how, how has Tony Elliott been recruiting uh in your opinion
3: it's tough I will fully admit that I am not as dialed into recruiting as like some other folks will be because it is exhausting to me to try and like there's yeah. so and I have the most respect like I'm good friends with Bud Elliott. Um and he I don't know how he keeps all that information in his brain like yeah. where everyone went and how like the stars and the b- the blue chip ratio and all that and so I think it's going to be this is what always kills me is it's such a an intertwined you know chicken or the egg right like fans are saying we'll be in the seats when the team's good and worth rooting for etc cetera, etc cetera, to paraphrase or whatever. And then there's the group that are like, and I'm kind of in this, we're like, well, if someone, no one's going to commit, if there's no one in the crowd, like, you know, (laughs) no one to play for. And so it's a cyclical um, and there'll be folks with the same breath that are complimenting the abilities of Tony Musket or Tony Calandria while also saying he can't recruit at all. And these are two, two names that he, that Tony Elliott has brought in. And so I think he's done a good job or in my opinion one of the things that both for Virginia and Virginia Tech that is very important to both fan bases is the recruiting of Virginia, especially Tidewater. And Mm so I think that there has been an effort made by the staff to get into those areas. Now, will it pay off? Has it paid off? Like I I'm not the expert to say here or there it's been, I think, and it's going to have to be a couple seasons, at least of, um, bringing three stars that you can try and build up and, and turn into good players, which Virginia has done a lot. Micah Kaiser was a guy that I think was a two star coming out of high school. And I think that's right. Someone's going to yell at me in the comments. We're like, he was a four star. You idiot. It's like the only one they got, but just having some of these players come in that, you know, and stars aren't everything. We know that there's been Mm -hmm. four and five stars that Virginia's gotten where you're like, Oh, that went terribly. Okay. Um, But I think he has the right approach and I'm glad because I think there's been a lot of conversation around uh, Dabo and his not going into the transfer portal, which is remarkable. Like zero times that he's like, no, thank you. Um, That Tony Elliott does not have that aversion to, I hope not because he's used it early and I'm hoping that that wasn't just because of necessity and trying to fill spots of people leaving. Uh, but also to like utilize that because it's, it's a tool and it's just where we are with college football right now. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to go in and and scout players. Um, Mm -hmm. And honestly, I almost, I almost care more how good of a like recruiter you are out of the portal than you are. I think there's more, more evidence like of your plan. I don't know. Maybe this is, I'm kind of spitballing this right now. coming in. Yeah. Both Dave Dornan and and Kevin
2: Keats have a, fully embrace the yeah, the, the I, new you have base.
3: to. I mean so it's Tony Bennett. Like Tony Bennett's brought people in too. I think you have to.
0: Um I wanted to ask um what part of the team do you think gives NC State the most trouble on Friday night?
3: I want to say I want to say I think the wide receiver core is the strongest part of this team and i don't know this isn't to say that i think that the the corners or the backs are the weakest part of of states i honestly i'd be interested your your input on that like how you think that would match up um strategically there but it's it's a group that's going if virginia wants to have a chance to win those guys have to have a big game and in my mind that also means that the offensive line has given whatever quarterback it is enough time to give those guys a good game. Like he has mm-hmm. to be able to throw it. <laughs> um, and so I think that's the one that I'm, I'm keeping an eye on when it comes to one of the things that I will be looking at that I need Virginia or that I think Virginia needs to do really well in and be, be sound in is I think NC state can really take advantage of in special teams. I think the kick return numbers for y'all give me a lot of pause. I think it was like 33 yards on we average.
1: We had two kick return touchdowns against VMI, but the zebras took one away.
3: That makes me want oh. to barf. Um, <laughs> so that is one area that, so so we do have the 34 year old father of two former Marine as uh, everyone was talking about the Colorado state kicker last week. And I was like, excuse me, he's three years <laughs> younger than Matt Ganyard. Please show the man some respect. Um, and against Maryland, they were trying to do the, like the, the, the strategy higher kick so that they could get back and like maybe pin them inside the 25, whatever. And Maryland scored off of a kickoff return. Um, so that is an area where if Virginia wants to have a chance, because I think what state's like 10 point favorites, that actually feels about right. That maybe is a little, I thought that was a little low. If I'm going to be honest with you. Um, it was 10
2: and a half last
1: I checked, yeah.
3: 10 and a half, somewhere in there. Um, uh,
2: uh, but also, State has not covered this whole season, so...
3: <laughs> didn't even cover okay. it in GMI,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs>
3: uh, but yeah, I think if, if Virginia wants to have a chance, they have to give State the absolute worst field position at all possible times. It has to be one of those games where you're like, do not give them any... There's this Virginia team has such a slim margin for error, and that's exactly what happened against Maryland. Like, they cannot overcome a major mess up, like a major snafu. Um, and so that's where I look at turnovers, interceptions, field position, um, any of those things. And, and the other thing that, like, when you when I look at the JMU game. Um, You know, they were up 11 points heading into the weather delay. And, again, not a coach, and I don't even necessarily blame them, but they went too conservative with the ball coming out of that. It was very much like we're going to use the clock as our ally. We're going to try and pick up first downs on the ground. And it just wasn't happening. And. It just, rather than try and risk it with a first year quarterback, like throwing the ball, but that was what was working. So like, do the thing that was working. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of, I think the wide receivers pose a very difficult challenge. Like that's the the spot where, um, and then I'm hoping, I haven't looked at the depth chart or the injury report with regards to like who might be coming back this week, because that's the other just added this time it's injury to insult, I guess um, is, is they've, they've been missing a, a handful of guys on the defensive end that um, could play a huge, like, you know, Chico Bennett is healthy. Antonio Clary is not going to be there uh, or he had surgery. So if they can make Brennan uncomfortable and take advantage of like matchups on the outside offensively, they they might have a shot at it.
0: You mentioned the, um the wide receivers early in this. And it was a the first thing that scared me too because we have issues at safety um it's ironic God. actually state has it has probably the two best the best corner tandem in the acc but they they lost yeah Dean Harris, who's a starter at safety and uh the they got new faces back there and it's um it's it's been a learning process you could say well, let
1: me let me interrupt for a second i'll do do we know if aiden white's gonna play i think he i is. think they, 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 they
0: did confirm yeah
1: Okay, yeah. so that that helps out that secondary. He's a, probably a top 15 draft pick, so, I mean... Oh,
3: great. he's yeah. back. You sure we don't want to take another week off, bud? Just rest <laughs> it
0: up? precautionary just for this game. Yeah. So, Are
3: you sure? It seems it. a little sore. You look a little sore, my yeah. guy. Yeah, he'll, he'll go <laughs> because, in the first uh... round
1: for sure, but uh, having him back will be huge. I feel Does like.
0: Virginia yeah. have a good tight end? Please say no. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Do they have a good what?
0: Tight end. Do they throw the ball to the tight end at all? No. <laughs> okay. I don't have Jelani Woods No Jelani Woods anymore. I, I,
3: no Jelani I, Woods am, anymore. <laughs> I know. No Jelani Woods. God, I loved him. Um, yeah. So I am always like, I literally root for this Steelers. So I was a military brat all over the place, but so i didn't have an nfl team i root for the steelers because heath miller was the tight end when yeah. i was like when heath i showed miller up was school. a
2: beast man he was it was a beast.
3: <laughs> obsessed like obsessed as soon as he got drafted the steelers i was like guess i'm a steelers fan and yeah. now right now i'm like oh my god matt canada do something yeah, um we know that pretty well <laughs> <laughs> oh, about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but all this to say is like i've always loved like solid tight end performance um, and they haven't really early on used like Grant Mish very much at all. And so partially, that's because the offensive line has had the struggles it has and like they've tried to use them in blocking. I don't even know necessarily really that it that they're super that wasn't the thing where I'd be like, the thing that's really great about these tight ends is the blocking cuz I do love a good blocking tight end. Again, Heath Miller. Heath Miller like sacrificed himself on a couple really good Steelers teams. Uh sacrifices numbers I should say to contribute to the to the run game and run blocking and all that stuff, but um, so no, it is not an area that I would say is a particular strength right now. Uh, now if they want to surprise everybody and like start throwing a bunch of tight end plays, I'm in, but, uh, no, there is no like six foot seven guy wearing the number zero. That's just going to make life miserable for everybody I mean, in the it, middle of the, the field. If the coaches
2: are, are half decent at, at reviewing film, that's going to be the one thing that jumps <laughs> off the tape is, yeah. uh, the week, the major weakness is that like delayed takeoff of the tight end, uh, fake blocking yeah. and then running straight down the
3: seam. Let yeah, me guess. Let season me season guess. Season Notre time. Notre Dame did that a ton.
2: Oh yeah, oh, Notre days, Dame C-P. and VMI did
0: it.
3: Two separate
0: times. Yeah, there were yeah. going to be two touchdowns in the quarterback. I mean, their quarterback sucks, and he just.
2: What? Wow. No, it's a thing. One, it's one a, time Pey- know, Peyton Wilson see saved see the it. day with like him. a Matumbo block. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, we got lucky. We got lucky they didn't score on both of those. It's been a... Yeah. Those are the safeties. That I was talking about. Their eyes are never in the right place, I feel like. Yeah. So far but there, were,
2: there, were, there was freshmen out there that are playing safety where Tanner Ingle used to be out there kind of surveying the field, so it was it was much easier for to have that safety valve.
3: Putting big hits on Brennan Armstrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. Tanner Ingle, <laughs> what that a guy.
2: guy.
1: He's what on he a that?
3: list. He's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> on He's on a lot of people's lists, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, man.
0: Uh, Virginia beats NC State if?
3: If they make, so no turnovers, minimal mistakes. You can't have some of these, like, just back-crushing false starts holding. Uh, and I think they've got to turn y'all over twice. Okay. I think that's, it's at least, they've got to be, I think they got to be, like, plus two in the turnover battle. Gotta get, gotta gotta put pressure on Brennan if they want to have a chance to win.
1: Yeah, well, you can see all of our picks, uh, the three of us, on the uh, Trinity Road Times website. But I'm curious, Caroline. Uh, you know, I think I know <laughs> who you're going to pick to win the game. But uh, what's your score prediction here?
3: Um, I am going to say State twenty-four ten. Oh, okay i don't know that feels low now they scored no, 14 you know, not. i don't know well,
1: before, before we get to our random question i did want to ask you um something that is interesting because you know we mentioned there's a lot of tonys in charlottesville virginia yeah. right now um which tony at the quarterback position do you think gives virginia a better chance to win right now musket or calandria so
3: hard <laughs> i am obsessed with tony calandria and so where where I think that the it's always tough to have a quarterback battle, right? And so Virginia has Tony Musket, who's a transfer great from name, Monmouth, guy. who has experience. He's I think he's got two years of eligibility, including this year. So it's you know that was going to be the two years, and then you have Tony Calandria grow and learn, and then Calandria gets thrown into the situation where he has to. And I thought he played adm- like he played great against JMU, and he had three incredible quarters against Maryland on the road first start all this stuff he has I honestly don't know what quarterback I'd go back to when it comes to touch that he has on his passes because like again adore Brennan Brennan's a slinger like it's coming out hot coming out fast and and Calandria is able to kind of not even float where you're like worried about someone getting under it and picking it off, he's putting it in the right spot. And again, I understand he had three <laughs> interceptions in the fourth quarter. I get this, I do. I, I've talked about it, but you see, the then for a guy that is so young and new to the system and like new to college football, and he's I think they put him at 511 where it's like how they had Kihei at 511. You're like, sure, um, <laughs> zero fear. And not in, but he he's confident in a way where you're, he's not making stupid mistakes. And so I always hate to see someone lose a job because of injury. Because Tony Muscat didn't do anything wrong, and again he showed some really strong poise and all that stuff that we wanted to see against Tennessee. So uh, I'm I'm taking the confidence answer. I think that they. I think the chances are the same. I'm going to say the chances are the same either way because the, the requirements for them winning the game stay the same. The quarterback has to be able to play a smart game, no turnovers. You have to be able to hit those routes so that you have to respect the receivers enough to establish a bit of a run. Game. You know, the whole thing, the whole, like how football works well, like, you know, everyone knows the little you know things you got to do. Um, no matter who starts, I'm not going to be mad. Honestly, that's kind of where I sit right now. Like I don't have like, if he doesn't play Calandria, he's an idiot. So there's arguments for Calandria in the sense that like, okay, this season is, you're not going to win 10 games. You're not going to be in contention, probably even for a bowl game. Play the guy that's the future. Give him reps, give him time, make it so he doesn't transfer. You know, Cause there's already people talking about that stuff. Like if he doesn't play him this year, is he going to leave right away? Like all that stuff. Um <laughs> But I don't know. I I kind of want to see Tony Calandrius because I'm like my guy. Let's yeah. go. Uh, but uh, I think it's going to be Musket, and I I think they I think they give them an equal equal chance at winning. Maybe? Gotcha. Question mark? I don't
1: know. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, or I find it interesting that and maybe it's just a coincidence that Virginia has two Friday night games in a row, and this is the first of two Friday night games in a row for NC State. Um yep. of course that'll be on ESPN this week. Uh don't get me started on Fox not sending the announcers to the game. That's just oh, as a professional announcer. Production, just me. I just, the I just, entire
3: production <laughs> was awful. Yeah. Like and I don't it all of this stuff is hard, but the camera guy was off. Where I'm like what play are you following? There was an entire <laughs> drive where they had the wrong down and distance. And the guys were saying one thing. There had been a penalty that they didn't know what it was for. Nothing was updated. And then the, mm. the sideline thing said fourth down. But, like, the screen said second down. And it was just <laughs> like, I don't know what's happening. They don't know where they are. Like, that guy reacted to everything. Like, it was the first time he'd ever seen football in his life. It was just, <laughs> yeah. So, I'm glad. To be, even even though it's going to be more national and it's probably going to be, like, a a few uh, on, hours on the
2: flip side we were really uh surprised with the quality of the cw's production value.
1: shout
3: out
2: was it good <laughs> also the TV ratings
1: were very yeah. surprisingly good for it I yeah think,
3: as funny as it is to make i mean i've made all the jokes too where it's like right after riverdale reruns yeah. like whatever. but um you know you can see it more places Mm-hmm. It's easier to get. It's not going to be blacked yeah. out places. It's not going to be on regional networks. You can't, you know, get on Hulu or whatever else. So I'm for it.
1: Yeah. There we go. Well, we're we're very much looking forward to the game Friday night, and we'll be glued to the TV screen, of course, to see how this one turns out. Uh, random question of the day. We like to do this every week, where we just we pick a random question and we ask it. And we were talking beforehand about movies that we liked. Um, so. We'll go with here. What is the worst movie that you've ever seen? And I'll bookend this. So who wants to go first?
3: I'll go. I'll All throw right. mine out there. This is one of the only times that I thought about leaving a theater. I mean, if I had driven myself, I would have done it. Uh, Spider-Man 3. I hate oh, that shit. movie <laughs> so much. Really? With a yeah. fiery passion. Yeah. Um, Disappointment. And but see, when we're
1: in the day and age where you have to ask which Spider-Man 3 yeah.
3: So not my sweet sweet son Tom Holland, who is perfect okay. in every way whatsoever. Um I'm telling you so it, it's a funny my relationship with with uh Spider Man as a whole has been kind of funny because I didn't love the first Sam Raimi one. And that's you know it is what I was like, I guess I just don't like s- superhero movies. And then yeah. I saw Iron Man, I was like, wait, this slaps. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I was like, Maybe I just don't like Spider Man and then because uh, the second one's good. I'll give you that. That one's it's good. Um and then I saw Spider-Man: Homecoming, and I was like, "Oh, I just don't like those." Those, okay, cool. ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. <laughs> it lost me with the emo spider-man and the dancing on the street and the yeah. like all of that i was like i yeah. cannot i wish i was anywhere else in the world right now
2: yeah i was like sinking into my seat in the theater like <laughs> i was no like oh, God, it's
3: so awkward like yeah. why is he dancing what is this like yeah yeah, yeah. that's Sweet me at a wedding it's <laughs> <laughs> incredible yeah
2: all right aside uh- so, um, earlier we, we were chatting about this and I, I said I, I might have a controversial pick. What I meant to say is it's a, it's an emotional pick because, um, when I was a kid, um, you know, I'm, I think older than you two that, uh, uh, my first game system was the original Nintendo. So I was the biggest Super Mario fan in the world. It's all I would do. And it's all I would pl- talk I about with doing. my friends at recess So, when they announced that they're making a Super Mario Brothers movie in the early 90s, I was so psyched. I could not wait. And I went like the first weekend that it came out, and it was like what is this i i i was so imagine i'm like 10 or 11 and i was so
3: terrifying goombas yeah with the like dinosaur heads
2: and like the yoshi like the whole thing was just i was crestfallen like my my dream of seeing mario so you can imagine like it came full circle that like you know i've turn my kids into video gamers. They love the Nintendo switch and they play Mario Kart and all that. So when we went to go see the new Mario brothers movie, they were like cackling in the theater. And I'm just like, I had that little kid feeling. So I, I regained some of the mojo that I'd lost like, Thirty whatever years ago, that uh, I really enjoyed the new one. So, yeah, that it, was a
3: ton of fun. They did a good job with that. Yeah, it
2: made, made me feel like a kid again. So, so I it kind of canceled out that original one. But man, that, that first morning was.
0: <laughs> I'm
1: curious to hear, Alex. We've seen a lot of movies together, so I'm, I'm curious to
0: hear what yours is. Who here has ever seen the movie Eraserhead?
3: My sister has. <laughs> I have not seen hey, that one actually. I have
0: a boiling <laughs> hatred. For David Lynch for subjecting the human eyeball to whatever that was, I that is the only movie I've ever seen that I was so repulsed by. I had to turn something else on my phone while it was playing. I was at like a movie night with friends, and this is what they decided they wanted to watch. So I was watching a, 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 a college basketball game on my phone during the movie because I could not stand. To watch this, this.
3: Would you rather watch Erase Her Head again or that NC State Virginia Tech basketball game?
0: Oh, I guess I'd rather watch the NC State Virginia Tech basketball game on slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: was than say, at least margin? you guys won that one too, right?
0: <laughs> this movie, man. No, they oh, lost. State lost that game.
3: State lost that one. Yeah, this yeah. twenty four oh, points. Six. Right,
2: oh, yeah. twenty-four, they, what, forty-two, or something? They went
1: up by points,
0: and they lost by twenty-three points. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was fourteen to ten at halftime, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I only totally laugh because weird.
3: Virginia has had so many games where like I was at the game where like they held Rutgers to like nine points in the first half yeah and I, they I, held Harvard to seven one game I, they, I was every, at, yeah. I, I
2: was somewhere where I I couldn't watch on tv so I, w- I was watching that game on my phone and I had it off to the side and every, every time I looked down the score hadn't changed and I was like is my screen glitching but the time was moving and it kept you going. Kept, like
3: hitting go live, whatever on Hulu. And you're like, I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense.
2: <laughs> oh you know, man,
1: that that's that's a pretty bad movie itself. That that basketball game certainly was. Yeah. But so uh, mine actually, I watched my freshman year of college. My roommate got us all on our hall together. He's like, I have this really great movie that I want you guys to watch. He pulls out Requiem for a Dream. Oh. And we sit there <laughs> and we watch this movie. The Marlon Wayans version yes yes and he's like this is such a great film and uh, we were sitting there the whole time we're like can we do something else (laughs) like like, i get what it was trying to do i get the storyline and it's supposed to be this powerful movie about you know the topic that it's about but it it just traumatized me man so it's like (laughs) i I, i'm not a fan of that film
3: yeah that's fair
1: (laughs) but uh Anyway, Caroline, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you uh, being on with us here. And um, our next episode of The Lotcast, we'll talk a little bit about this UVA game and then uh, another Friday night game, the Pack and Black game against Louisville out there at Carter-Finley next Friday night. So that'll be that'll another... Be a good one. That'll be a big one. Uh, and we'll we'll talk about that. But that's going to wrap up this week's edition of The Lotcast. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the rest of your week.